1: Hello Captains, you're listening to episode 319 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, May 25th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah.
2: And I'm Kenna.
1: And in the audio booth is our audio engineer, Quintas. Greetings, everyone. So, Kenna, tell us what we've got coming up this week.
2: This week, well, you didn't think we'd get away without Elijah giving us his opinion on the Discovery trailer, did you? We'll see if it agrees with what LeVar Burton thought. We're also checking out Dayton Ward's latest Star Trek travel guide and how you could get your remains shot into space when you die. In Star Trek Online and other gaming news, we've got a new Canon with 1N ship arriving on PC... And I'm talking to Aaron Prince from Disruptor Beam about Star Trek timelines. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Captains, you know we'd love to hear from you and to keep the conversation going between our episodes each week. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even email us. So shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
2: Now, this is the part of the show where I like to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. For those of you who haven't heard of Patreon, it's a website that makes it easy for listeners like you to pledge support directly to the creators you love, hopefully like us. And if you are thinking about pledging and helping us keep the show going, now is a great time to do it. So Patreon charges our supporters on the first of the month. So if you pledge by the 31st of April, your support reaches us straight away. Remember, your support goes to help us produce this show, host it, and get it out to you. And it even helps cover some of our costs of traveling, so we can bring you interviews from cons. And most recently, your support helped Elijah and Jake get to NYC this month to appear on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. To find out more and add your support, just go to patreon.com forward slash priority1. And of course, even if you can't make a financial contribution, there are other ways to support us, just by sharing our show with your friends, hanging out with us on social media, or by leaving us a review on iTunes. Once again, our sincere thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, and in fact, to all of our listeners. It's you guys... That make all of this worth doing
1: captains can i just mention that there are other ways of supporting that aren't necessarily direct financial contributions the big one of course being itunes reviews we know that there are way more listeners than what are on our reviews right now on itunes so please 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 open up that uh, podcast app on your mobile phone or visit itunes directly from the app which is painful for me to do i know because i'm a windows person but do it for us do it for priority one and leave us that review Also, Captains, the other way that you can support Priority One is, well, if you plan on subscribing to CBS All Access, there are banners on our website. We are Trekkies, and as much as we may not agree with CBS All Access, it's likely that many of us, myself included, will be signing (laughs) up for CBS All Access. If you sign up to CBS All Access through one of our affiliate links on our site at priority1podcast.com, we get a bit of a kickback. It's at no extra cost to you. You sign up. I think you even get a month free in some cases, depending on the on the promotion at the time. But if you sign up and subscribe, we get a bit of a kickback on that. So uh, if you plan to watch Star Trek Discovery, do us a favor and subscribe to CBS All Access through our website, please. Don't forget. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jump
2: places and Then let's check it out.
1: The buzz is still strong, even a week after the trailer hit for Star Trek Discovery. Unfortunately, there's a particular headline that's been circling around the Trek fan sites that I just couldn't ignore. It turns out, one of the reactions to the trailer is a backlash against a predominantly diverse cast of characters, a gay helmsman, an Asian captain, and a black woman at the center of the story people have gone so far as to call this a depiction of white genocide captains i know you don't turn to priority one for social political commentary you want the news you want levity you want to enjoy what it is to be a trekkie with us you want to share in that passion that excitement those smiles and those laughs for that reason i'm going to keep this very short and very sweet If your opinions of the Star Trek Discovery trailer lean towards taking issue with a predominantly diverse cast of characters and actors, then I want to remind you that you're currently listening to a first-generation Cuban-American, fluent in Spanish, hosting a podcast about Star Trek. If you have a problem with people of color taking command of a starship, then inevitably you have a problem with me hosting this podcast. But here's the thing. I'm confident that those of you who are listening to the show listen because, like me, you share Gene Roddenberry's vision of a diverse future. A colorblind, genderblind, raceblind, religionblind, speciesblind future where our societal, nay, galactic actions matter more than the hijab around our heads, the color of our hair and skin, or who we lay with when we go to bed. It's very easy to sit back and scroll through the comment section without replying to such vitriol. But today, more than any other time in history, we have to take small steps to ensure that our future looks closer to Gene Roddenberry's vision than the Galactic Star Empire. If you see someone tweet or comment with the argument that Discovery is just another social justice warrior project aimed at white genocide, don't argue with them. Don't try to change their opinion. Don't try to force your philosophy on them. Just reply with these simple words. You don't know Trek. That small gesture, en masse, will show that they are, in fact, nothing more than a very loud minority. You see, in my future, a Latino is my captain. Yeah, who am I kidding? In my future, yo soy el capitán.
2: Now, speaking of reactions, we got our first from a Star Trek alum this week, LeVar Burton, TNG's Geordi LaForge. In an interview at Motor City Comic Con, Burton told the Detroit Free Press about his reactions to the trailer, and he had this to say.
3: Looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love uh, the fact that, again, true to the values of Star Trek, that... um, at least from what I've seen in the clip, the command structure is women of color.
1: Yeah, with Michelle Yeoh as the captain. And Sonequa
3: Martin-Green, yeah. From
1: uh, The Walking Dead as the first officer. So, so, uh, you know, at first glance, I'm encouraged. That's very cool. And it's beautiful. It looks awesome.
2: So we're starting to see reactions from the other actors, and so far, it seems positive.
1: So. So that's good. That's good that we're actually starting to see Star Trek alum, you know, react to the trailer. I'm glad that it was, in fact, LeVar Burton to kind of react first and and be public about his excitement over the diversity of what we're seeing in Star Trek Discovery. Well, moving on, CBS will be at Vegas at least twice this year with their first event at the Licensing Expo geared towards vendors interested in producing products for Star Trek. For instance, McFarlane Toys taking charge of the merchandising for Discovery. There really isn't any news from the expo. However, the Star Trek CBS booth had some props from Star Trek The Next Generation. Collider.com was there and took several high-definition photos of the display cases that included some familiar items like pads and phasers... But you also saw Data's arm from the scene in First Contact where the Borg Queen begins to graph organic skin. You see the Terminator 2 style Borg Queen skull oh, spinal yeah, cord. Cool. Oh, cool. And even some personal quote, quote unquote, air quotes, items from the Picard family. Picard's photo album, a bottle of wine. is his, um, is his, is his,
2: is his, is his whistle there from the inner light
1: yes yes the flute is
2: yeah. there from it's all the tin whistle i know it's an irish thing i know whatever so you totally glossed over the whole mcfarland toys thing i did gloss. yeah over which is out. kind of a cool announcement i didn't really i wasn't really aware of what they were and i was thinking oh okay so we're gonna see figurines and stuff i didn't really get it mcfarland toys actually it's more like toys for grown-ups i wouldn't say they're like toys toys they are room sets Uh, figurines, really high quality figurines. They do everything from they do Destiny, Game of Thrones, I want to say like Steven Universe, South Park, there's all sorts of things in there. They're really good quality and it's it's kind of exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing these new figures not just from Discovery but also from the whole of the Star Trek franchise, at least the TV franchise.
1: You know what I'm excited to see from them? I don't really – I'm not a big fan of, like, uh, figurines, like 12-inch figurines. Not anymore. Like, I used to kind of be into that, but not anymore. Now, I'm excited if they do the ships because those ships are going to be amazing. I mean, the le- between scale and level of detail. I'm, and But here's the downside of that is that because it's McFarlane toys, they're not going to be cheap. You know, like if, if they do a ship, if they do the ship, the Discovery ship, that's going to, I bet you, I bet you, bet you, bet you, that's going to be at least, at least $200. And uh, I'm not talking about like a, a 12-inch model. I'm talking about 5 inches at most, 6 inches, or scale close to that, that dimension. And it's probably going to be like 200 bucks.
2: Well, the thing is, the other thing that they do a lot of are these room sets. And I think it would be really, really cool for them to do bridge room sets with the figurines. It could be very cool. Like, could you imagine you have like your display shelf with the bridges? It would be cool. We don't know exactly yet. They haven't announced exactly what they're going to do. But Oh,
1: you know what? You're right. Because I have, I have a Matrix scene. It's the the Chateau, uh, the Chateau scene. And that's on my top shelf over there. I mean, you're right. That was, I think, that was McFarlane Toys. You're right, actually, and that's pretty hot. That's, that's yeah. A nice that's scene. T-
2: I mean, that's toys for grownups, isn't it? That's that's a cool display kind of toy thing. Yeah,
1: nobody touches it. Yeah, don't touch it. <laughs> We're n- don't even don't even look at it for too long.
2: <laughs> we are not having tea parties with your Matrix figurines around the table. It's not, that's not how it works. No, but but they are some pretty cool. Uh, they're some pretty cool items, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to offer. Well, speaking of licensed products, are you aware that summer is almost here, Captains? And have you planned your vacations yet? Well, before you book that flight to Tahiti, that magical place, you may want to pick up InSight Edition's Hidden Universe Travel Guides, the Klingon Empire. Discover an ancient culture, indulge in fresh gach, and harden your warrior spirit, all with the help of this in-depth travel guide, spotlighting the sites, the people, and the culture. Written by Dayton Ward, this is the third in a series of travel guides spotlighting well-known planets in the Star Trek universe. Due to release July 11th, 2017, this is a beautifully illustrated book with significant attention to detail. This is definitely a worthy addition to your library.
1: So that brings us to our first community question this week. If you could take a vacation to any location from the Star Trek multiverse, where would it be? Where would you go? And why? And what souvenir would you bring back for the Priority One podcast? (laughs) Yeah, what would you send us? As you might be aware, Elon Musk wants to take us into the final frontier. These last several months, science news has been buzzing with the reports and live streams of several successful landings of SpaceX rockets. Now, Elon Musk wants to help you reach the final frontier. Even in death. SpaceX's Elysium Memorial Project will take your ashes into space to circle the Earth for only $2,490. Yep, and honest, but you know, that's, that's not cheap, but it's still comparable to a funeral, a conventional funeral in the United States, if not cheaper, but way cooler, way, way cooler. See, my
2: only issue with this is that you wouldn't really be able to enjoy it because you'd be dead, which is a, it just, it's a major drawback. <laughs>
1: So here's the thing is that it puts you on a satellite that's, that circles the Earth for uh, a limited time. It's a pretty long time, but it's still limited, and then it burns in the atmosphere again. So you don't stay in space. So they don't jettison your, your remains in space. However, what the, ni- the nice thing about it is that your, your beloved family and friends that are left behind can look up at the night sky, and then th- there's an app that they could follow where that satellite is in the night sky and watch you fly over.
2: That is kind of cool, actually. Although, I like uh, <laughs> taking a slightly off tangent. My, in,
1: my will, in my will, it would say that every time I flew over my hometown, they'd have to play the priority one theme.
2: Giving everybody orders, even in death. <laughs> I, I swear. Uh, I think I'd rather be turned into a diamond... Or per- or perhaps a tree.
1: I could I dig the tree thing. Except I know that we are headed more towards... A, just, I feel like we are headed more towards the dystopian society where eventually we're going to be living above the smog. Like in Fifth Element and any other dystopian science fiction film you've ever watched. Number one. Number two. And I think... I t- didn't we just talk about this? They make glass orbs now that... Your ashes can make like what look like a galaxy, like it's colored. The glass is colored, and it's a little orb, a little glass orb, and it's like a little Milky Way, but it's speckled with your ashes. It's really cool. Well,
2: I was just wondering, does this so does this broadcast count like as a will? <laughs> does it?
1: Does it, <laughs> it might. Yeah, because I might. think
2: we might have just saved quite a lot of lawyers' fees. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report status incoming message i'm only in the mood for good news today well captains welcome once again to stow news where today it's a little less stow and a little more other things in a few minutes we've got an interview with aaron prince product owner for star trek timelines but first let's catch you up with what's happening in star trek online
1: there's a new ship available on pc this week a brand new cannon with one N ship with some heavy on-screen cred. The tier 6 Amari-class Smuggler's Heavy Escort is available to all captains regardless of faction, but only in the special research and development packs from the C-Store. Players who purchase a promotional R&D pack from the C-Store will be rewarded with either 10 low-buy crystals or the new ship. The chances of getting the ship are traditionally pretty low, so if you are inclined, you better start praying to RNGesus. But if you're desperate for the ship, be prepared to either buy a lot of R&D packs or shell out a ton of energy credits on the exchange.
3: The R&D packs do sell for quite a substantial amount on the exchange, so if you sell or buy the R&D packs and sell them on the exchange, you could build up the EC rather quickly that way, and then purchase the ship.
2: Mm, that's actually a good tip.
3: Uh, Winters, have
1: you had the opportunity of comparing this ship to anything else? Is there anything that it's comparable to?
3: Uh, I haven't, to be honest with you, unfortunately.
1: In addition to looking like a pretty fun little escort, this ship comes with intel and pilot bridge officer seating, a new heavy weapon, and a universal console. Both the heavy weapon Slam Shot and the console Supplemental Weaponry focus on kinetic damage, They work in tandem with the starship trait, reverberation. This passive trait lets you accumulate reverberation charges over time when you use projectiles. Reverberation charges, as you collect them, increase your chance of knocking your enemy shields offline for five seconds, just enough time to hit them with a barrage of kinetic damage. So to translate that for people who don't speak Trekinese like me, what it sounds like to me is that this ship would do well as a torpedo boat i think probably as well i know nothing about
2: torpedo boats so i'm not even going to comment but yeah in order to accumulate the reverberation charges you have to be using kinetic damage and then uh once they take those shields offline that's that's the time when you want to use the kinetic damage to do the most possible damage so yeah you're looking at something that's going to have torpedoes on it basically
1: there's also a brand new bridge on the ship And like other merchant ships, it also has access to a Trader, Quartermaster Vendor, Bank, Mail, and the Exchange. The Smuggler's Heavy Escort R&D pack promos run now through June 15th. Now roughly, when it's a highly sought-after lockbox ship, the equivalent exchange from EC to Dilithium to C-Zen, whatever, and depends. It could end up. Be, it can be for anywhere between fifty to. I've seen ships be as high as a hundred and fifty dollars worth. What do you think this ship? Where do you think this ship is going to lie?
3: In actual dollar value, I'm not sure, but I know that it's currently selling on the exchange for just under three hundred million. I think
2: it's not too bad, actually. For it's a, actually
3: not that bad for yeah. for a
2: promo ship, but it's kind of a weird one. So the Smuggler's Heavy Escort uh, was actually seen on screen in the Next Generation Series 5 episode, Unification 1. It was owned by the husband of Amory, who, if you'll recall, was the four-handed piano player that Riker meets on a bar in Quailor 2. Now The Enterprise unintentionally destroyed the ship while attempting to break up a smuggling operation. Now, this episode of Star Trek was actually really significant. It aired shortly before Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, came out in theaters, and it featured a cameo from Leonard Nimoy as an aging Spock. Now, in this story, Spock is on a personal mission to reunite Vulcan and Romulus. And we also deal with the death of Spock's father, Sarek. And it's the last time that we see Denise Crosby as Sela on screen. This episode was also one of the first episodes of Star Trek to air after Gene Roddenberry's death and was dedicated to him in the credits. So it's a pretty significant episode, and at least for me personally, it's great to see another canon with one N ship making it into the game. So for full stats and links to more hashtag Trek nuggets about Unification 1 and 2, we'll leave links in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO319. Winters, Did, have you, you have you seen unification? Well, of course you have. You've seen it. Yeah, Un- oh yeah. It was a huge, huge deal. Unification one, uh, well, one and two. I think unification one, which was the first one where we saw Spock, actually ended up being. I was reading earlier today. One is probably one of the biggest Star Trek episodes of all time. Twenty five million people watched that episode, which I was I was reading that and I was just going, wow, they are really really selling Discovery short. <laughs> you know if they're if they're and, and that
3: was just part one
2: Yeah, that was just the first one I mean the re the reason that they got that is because it was prime time it was in 1991 we had we were just about to release the sixth Star Trek. Film, so it was this is like at the height of like the height of Star Trek, right? You got Leonard Nimoy coming back as Spock, you see, uh, Denise Crosby was in it, um, Mark Leonard came back as Sarek, and you, um, you knew something big was gonna happen there. Like, th- this was like the, the pinnacle, right? And Gene Roddenberry had just died as well, so it was, it was just all focus was on Trek at that point.
3: It's, it's funny though, well, maybe not funny, but. Spock only appeared at the very end of that episode. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, right. He, at the he end. Actually, yeah,
3: yep. just right at the end, and then that was it. Cliffhanger. I think he came out and, he's, and he he's said, like, "Captain, oh, you, you found, have found him." Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've you found him, Captain, and then that was it. To be continued. I, I remember actually watching that as a kid. I was like,
2: <gasps> "No!" <laughs> I know, I know. And it was really cool because. It, so he he actually refers Spock in that episode actually refers to the events of the undiscovered country as though they happened in the past, which of course they did timeline wise, but the undiscovered country hadn't come out yet. And I think that was a really interesting little little I, I don't even, I'm not even sure if they did that. They must have done that intentionally as like a little marketing thing. so they're they're having him make reference to what will happen when the film comes out, when Star Trek Six comes out, and it wasn't long, uh, I don't remember exactly when Star Trek Six came out, but it was, no, it was not long after this aired. So it was a really clever little, little thing that they did there.
1: When it comes to the ship itself, I, it, it's, it's a tough little ship. I mean, it's got the five forward weapons and two in the rear, which is not my particular game style. I, although when I'm flying an escort, I am usually forward-facing I like the idea that my rear is protected, so to speak. So I'm not a big fan with the, 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 of the 5-2 layout. Especially that the whole the base hole is only 34,000, which is closer to mid-level in terms of, of the other cross-faction ships. Mid-level, lower mid-level. Now, the benefit that you're getting here, of course, is that you do have a Lieutenant Commander Universal Intelligence... Slot and then you have the locked lieutenant tactical pilot slot. But the universal lieutenant commander that's that's pretty generous. On top of that, a 15 point turn rate, so it's, it's a pretty nimble ship. It's not the fastest ship out there, you know. There are ships above 20 turn rate, but it's it's would I spend anything more than you know, in terms of the conversion and in, in, in financial money, dollar money. Going from Zen to Dilithium to EC in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that I would spend $60 on this one. I think there are other ships that that, that grab my attention more.
2: Here's the thing. This is, you know, not all of the ships that we get are canon with one and ships. This is a canon ship that was seen on screen in one of the biggest, most significant Star Trek episodes ever. That is, that is worth something to a lot of people. And, okay, it's a relatively... It's a relatively insignificant although it is sort of pivotal it kind of goes into the motivation of Amory to actually help what's going on um, it's you know part of the plot but yeah having it ha- been on screen is kind of a big deal we don't get that very often
1: when it comes to five the five2 layout with five forward weapons that's when I start to toy with the idea of Torpedoes, Which is, I think, why it is a 5-2. Because if you're forward-facing, you can have omnidirectional beams in the back. Then, you know, like three heavy cannons, or I'm sorry, uh, three beam arrays and two torpedoes. And boom. And with a lieutenant commander slot, you can do something like a gravity well mix. Where you suck everybody down into a gravity well and shoot off your torpedoes after you've brought down their hull. Winters, am I wrong? You're not wrong, no. But you're also not right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it, it's true that they've, they've really given you a very good incentive to use kinetic weapons, which they don't always, or they give you like a mix, like one thing's good with kinetic and one thing isn't. They, they've got, given you a lot of good incentives to use torpedoes and this build, and it'll be interesting to see what people do with it.
3: It's just unfortunate that it's a promotional ship and it's not one that you can pick up in the sea store.
2: Yeah, that's true. It's Your average player is probably not going to be flying around and playing exactly.
3: with it.
1: Exactly, yeah. This is definitely the ship for the higher-end players that want to run a torpedo boat. With all of the extra frills that come with this ship, if you want to run a torpedo boat and fire nothing but torpedoes, this is the ship, probably the ship for you. Yeah, Or if
2: you're somebody who just is... Totally into collecting all the canon ships. This is the one, this is one to have. And that actually brings us to this week's community question, or possibly a community challenge. What canon with one N ship would you like to see wing its way to Star Trek Online? The more obscure, the better.
1: No longer new, community manager Ambassador Kel announced a new weekly livestream last week, dubbed 10 Forward. The new community livestream will feature dev interviews, fan creations, and Star Trek Online playthroughs with a promise of perhaps a few prizes as well. The livestream will be broadcast on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Star Trek Online Facebook page or their Twitch page. Links to both will be in our show notes.
2: Another interesting thing to point out, they're actually doing a poll on a Monday to say uh, what the topic is going to be. So I think this, uh, this past week... They they held a poll to say which missions are they going to play. What are they going to do as the playthrough part of it? And then that influences the Wednesday live stream. So it's a fun little thing for the community to get involved in. Uh, and if you are interested in that sort of thing, you should check out their social media channels.
1: I mean, here's a big difference. Obviously, is that they're in house and they obviously can do things that no other podcast is able to do, and they can show things that no other podcast is able to show uh, because they're in house and they're like streaming it from los gatos you know from those from cryptic Studios. so it's definitely worth a watch uh a lot of great insight into the game so catch those every week and also listen to priority one podcast but here's what you're not gonna get from ambassador Kell's live streams winters weekly tip winters take it away
3: in an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in star trek online here's my weekly top tip Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about a number of bonuses and unlocks that are available within the Duty Officer system. This week, I'm going to talk to you about how you can increase the number of Duty Officers in your roster for free. As many of you know, there are 11 different Commendations within the Duty Officer system. Every Duty Officer mission you complete will have at least one type of Commendation XP rewarded for completing that DoF mission. As you complete DOF missions, you will eventually level up the different commendations from rank 0 all the way up to rank 4. As you hit each new rank, you will be entitled to claim one free duty officer. At rank 1 and 2, you are entitled to claim one common or green duty officer for each rank. At rank 3, you are entitled to claim one rare or blue duty officer. And at rank 4, you are entitled to claim one very rare or purple duty officer. This means that there's a total of 44 Free Duty Officers waiting for you for just leveling up the different commendations. You can claim these Free Duty Officers by visiting Starfleet Academy or the Klingon Homeworld and going down to the Klingon Academy and going to Lieutenant Farah. When you talk to Lieutenant Farah, select the store option and you will find a list of available Duty Officers for each commendation. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO319.
2: And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some other events to get stuck into.
3: Just a reminder,
1: really, that the Mirror Invasion event is still on PC, now through June 8th. There's the R&D pack promo, of course, also on PC. And coming up soon, Season 13, Escalation, is still expected to launch on console on June 6th. Hey, Winters, why don't you tell us what we have going on in the Armada this month? It's a big month for the priority uh, one Armada, isn't it?
3: Yep. This month, starting on the 1st of June and going through to the 30th of June, we have the 4th year anniversary. And woohoo!
2: That's kind of amazing
3: every single day we're doing free random giveaways to uh, just random members that are online. So, for example, we've got advanced kit modules, we've got TR-116B sniper rifles, uh, selection of superior tech upgrades, and I think it's like four times a day uh, we will be picking a random Priority 1 Armada member and giving them out free stuff. And then on every Saturday up until the 24th of June we have some major events going on. So, for example, on the 3rd of June we have an event called Where's Winters? This is something that we've ran in previous years and uh, as you would imagine people have to find out where I am. What I do is I give out a clue every five minutes on the Priority One channel and based off those clues members have to find me. The first person that finds me clicks on me and salutes, will win a major prize pack. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, it's valued at just over 32 million EC for that prize pack.
2: Nice.
3: The next five people that find me in that same location uh, will have to do the same thing, click on me and salute me, and they will win a mini prize pack. And I think those mini prize packs are valued just under 10 million a piece. And I'm going doing that in three different locations. Altogether, we have over 2 billion EC worth of prizes to give away this year. And we have 6,000 Zen. So, yeah, if, if anybody is interested, head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and you can sign up there, and you'll be eligible to take part in any of these events for the entire month of June.
2: So question is this just this is open to Armada members? Yes.
3: Yes, unfortunately we can't do it to the general store community because we have no way of tracking members or, you know, communicating with the general store community.
1: So you have to be a priority 1 member of the Armada. Right. In order to participate. Yeah. And to become a member of the Armada, visit priority one well, that's
2: it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Up next, we've got a real treat for you. I had the opportunity to sit down with Erin Prince from Disruptor Beam to talk about Star Trek timelines. She's catching us up on what's going on in the game with a few hints of things to come. So grab a cup of Earl Grey, sit back, and enjoy. Security clearance level
0: 3 or above is required to access files.
1: This is Captain Benjamin Cisco.
3: Authorization Cisco Alpha 1 Alpha.
0: Logs accessed.
2: So Erin, thank you so much for coming on Priority One Podcast. I really appreciate it.
0: And I'm happy to be here.
2: Okay, thank you very much. So your official title is product owner for Star Trek Timelines. Can you explain what that means? And you know, what's, what's, what's the day-to-day for you?
0: So a product owner is the person at the end of the day who is accountable for everything that goes out into the game. Mm-hmm. And that means that I work with the the development team, the designers, the engineers, the UI artists, but I also work with the business people and marketing and publishing and a lot of times with player support and with community to make sure that everyone has one person that they can go to and say, this is what we think is really important to go into Star Trek timelines. And I say, I hear you. I'm going to put those in (laughs) priority order and make sure that we can work on getting them out there.
2: Yeah. So you're the person who kind of sits at the top and you can see everything that's going on um, and work with all the different teams to make that happen.
0: That is what I try to do. I come from a production and design background. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of make things, put them on the timeline. And since I was looking at so many pieces of it, I now finally get to go just a little bit higher and say, "Well, let's make sure that not only do we make fantastic things, that we tell everybody we're making mm-hmm. fantastic things."
2: Yeah. Can you just give me a little bit more about your background? Like, how did you end up um, working for Star Trek timelines? And and are you were you a Star Trek fan to begin with?
0: I absolutely was. So I'm a person who uh, I've loved working in games for. Oh gosh, it has like eight, nine, ten. I should really count how many years. <laughs> um, but I've been a Star Trek fan much, much longer. TNG was my first grown-up show, so I kind of Mm -hmm. grew up with Star Trek thinking, oh yeah, that's great, that's how adults are Mm -hmm. uh, when you go out to the workforce. So now it's fantastic to actually work on Star Trek. That's why I came to Disruptor Beam. Uh, I'd been a producer on other games, Mm -hmm. and when I saw that Disruptor Beam had a senior producer position open, I'm like great, I want to go work on Star Trek. That's yeah. going to be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I was very fortunate that they brought me on very quickly for that. Mm-hmm. And after about six months it's like, well, you know, producer is great, but mm-hmm. you know, about this, you wouldn't be the product owner, right? And I said, of course I do.
2: Yes. <laughs> no, that's excellent. Um, quick little side question. Uh,
0: do you have a favorite captain? Picard is my captain, and that is because I grew up with him. Mm-hmm. It's really one of those, I understand the merits, and you can make an argument for Kirk to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of my friends are particularly fond of Janeway, mm-hmm. but Picard is my captain.
2: Good answer. That's a good answer. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about timelines. It's It's been almost a year and a half now since timelines launched initially. Uh, What do you see as having been the biggest success over that
0: time? So we've had a lot of ones that I've really enjoyed. Uh, If you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said, I was so happy to put Gauntlet out there and really introduce a whole new gameplay system. Mm -hmm. But we're finishing a Borg month here and finally getting to a place where we're creating... Just like Star Trek finally got to that point where it had those big overarching arcs that you love, mm-hmm. we got to bring that into the game. And so yeah. for me, it was a big success.
2: Okay. Well, um, that was one of the questions I had for later on, but let's go ahead and talk about it now. So this event was, well, it was deemed kind of a mega event, the process of assimilation. Now, it's just it's just finishing as this episode is going out. Can you explain a little bit what, what the what the event was? and um, how long it lasted, and you know, what, what players were doing in the event.
0: Yes. So, Process of Assimilation was the first time where instead of creating standalone events that you would play for just one week that have a beginning, and you get to play in them, and they're done, the story here continued across four weeks. Mm-hmm. And the characters that you were picking up uh, from participating in the earlier events continue to be valuable to you as you go on into the next events. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also gave you a chance to acquire a special character by playing the Boar Queen mm-hmm. because we've been her for so very long and I wanted to do something very special when we finally released her. Uh, it gave players the opportunity to participate every week and get a copy of the Boar Queen. Mm-hmm. So just through participation they'd have a four out of five star character Uh, right there, ready for them to play with. And she's uh, very powerful. But the whole idea behind this is instead of having just a week where that's fun, I have a little snippet that Mm -hmm. feels more like an episode, this is more like I have a big story arc. And uh, I'm constantly rewarded for coming back and doing this. And we're able to tell a bigger, grander story. So really excited. We're at the end here, where the Borg are closing in and Federation is closing ranks, and they are going to try very, very hard to prove that uh, resistance is in fact not futile.
2: This is really interesting to me, at least to me, an event for a mobile-type game, because I tend to associate mobile gaming with... Um, you know, in uh, Impulse kind of, you know, doing it on the train or while you're waiting in line or something. This is actually pretty involved for a mobile game.
0: It is. So we have a lot of things that... Uh, hit different ways that people play. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in just playing for five minutes at a time, that's great. I highly recommend you send out some shuttles, you get in a couple of gauntlet matches, maybe play a little bit of PvP. You're in, you're out, you're having a good time, you're still advancing your characters. Mm -hmm. But we found that Star Trek fans really like story. People come back and comment on it (laughs) and they tell us about, oh, I can just hear that in Garrick's voice and we love that Mm -hmm. and so for those people we wanted to give them kind of the balance of we understand maybe you're not playing for as long but if you wanted to play for an hour at a time or a couple of hours at a time Mm -hmm. that you were still able to do that so we've been expanding
2: yeah now with the the event that's just ending obviously you've i'm assuming that you've been monitoring it so far Would you consider it a success? Has it been going as as well as you hoped it would?
0: I have to say that the positive outcry from the players has been even bigger than I anticipated. I was so happy to see that they appreciated that we looked at reward structure and we wanted to offer them characters they were really excited about. Uh, Many of our players had been asking for some of their favorites, and so we tried to uh, give them the opportunity to see those. Of course... The Boar Queen has been uh, highly desirable for a long time, mm-hmm. but there had been a small group of very vocal people that we love who are like, But where's each of? And it's like, Okay, we'll do this just for you. Yeah. Um, and then we get to have some fun assimilating some of your classic uh, favorites like Janeway and LaForge. And that's just something we did because people are like, Player said, We have this cool idea. Why don't you? do something cool for Borg. And we're like, no, let's go even bigger. So yeah. it's been a great success and we love it. Uh,
2: so I guess the next question is, what's what's the next event gonna, gonna be? Have you already started planning the next one or are you gonna stop and take some learnings from this one before you start developing the next?
0: So we are going to uh, take just a little bit of time and think uh, about people who have just come off of this big event. Uh, A lot of our players also were like, oh, no, I wasn't playing yet when you ran this event, and I missed people. So we're going to give you a chance to rerun a couple of ones that uh, people were excited about and wanted to come back. Mm -hmm. We're also going to give you some just like, you know, on any of the series, especially DS9. You get a big arc, and then you take a moment to have kind of those one-off episodes yep and then we're gonna have to talk about what that next arc is are we planning for it yeah we are uh, we're excited to see trying this at least one more time yeah excellent
2: I wanted to change tack a little bit and talk about the voiceovers because one of the big draws to Timelines uh, when it launched was John DeLancey's voiceover and I know that a lot of the other characters have got little voice clips that play when you select their character. Have you got plans for getting other Star Trek stars involved and and what might that look like going forward?
0: So right now there's more than 350 characters in the game and they don't all have their voice clips yet but we would like to uh, see... More of them get those, and we uh, go back and do those from time to time, so those come in. And of course, we always try and keep lines of communication open to uh, any of our favorite stars who might want to come and talk about that. Mm -hmm. And we do keep our uh, lines of communication open with John DeLancey as well, Mm -hmm. who he also loves to come in and comment from time to time with (laughs) our writers and say, well, in this story, wouldn't it be nice if? Uh, So we try and keep those lines of communication open
2: right um so the big story this year was that back in february a disruptor beam secured a a big chunk of new funding is any of that going to go into timelines and 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 what are the the future plans you know the next year the next five years for what timelines is going to evolve into
0: so a lot of that uh investment is already going towards star trek timelines Mm -hmm. and So anytime you get these investment dollars, it kind of spreads itself off across different areas. So one of the places it's going is more team members to come in and Mm -hmm. work on timelines because we still plan on uh, growing this team and making new content and new gameplay features. Another place where it's going is bringing in new players. So we invest this in marketing. And so really we're seeing the whole product benefit. Disruptor Beam is fully committed to uh, extending the lifetime of Star Trek timelines. And we're trying to reach out to more than just mobile players. Mm -hmm. So in November, we went out to Facebook. And one of the things we're doing now is looking to extend uh, that PC experience and Mm -hmm. we'll even be uh, getting onto the Steam platform soon.
2: Oh, that's really interesting, actually. That's going to be a real departure from, from, you know, I think of timelines as being a mobile game. facebook as well but primarily i think of it as being on my ipad basically but switching into a pc space now that's a whole different offer isn't it
0: it is and what i absolutely love is if you're playing on your ipad that galaxy map looks nice Mm but if you put that galaxy map up on your monitor it Mm. is gorgeous (laughs) so uh...
2: especially for me i've got a kind of an old ipad (laughs) it's a little bit um it's a little bit jagged edges on some of my ships
0: (laughs) oh no you should uh it is fantastic when you get onto that monitor and you can Mm. see the detail that's out there in the galaxy map and i especially love how our star bases yeah uh look in the different uh solar systems
2: and when that comes to pc that will be free to play as well won't it
0: it will in fact you can uh take your account you have on mobile so long as the best way to do it is just uh, sign in through Facebook with your mobile account. Mm-hmm. You go into Steam and say, hey, sign in through Facebook here. And it's like, oh, we'll just pick you up where you left off. So oh, you can wow. the same uh, game from mobile to Facebook to uh, PC Steam.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, you can play anywhere, at home, at work, on the train. It's all good.
2: That's That's really exciting. That's a really exciting piece of news. Uh, so we've got actually a couple of our listeners have written in and uh, with questions for you. So I'd like to uh, dive into our community questions, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. So the first one, there was a couple of our listeners, Chris Sai and Sam Ronan. They were asking about uh, new additions to the game. So Chris Sai says, is there a chance that Gynen or 1701E will come? And Sam Ronan was asking particularly, when will you add more ships?
0: So I can say that you will see a new ship be added in June, I'm not gonna say which one it is, mm. but we've a of different ships yeah. since so we're anticipating uh, quite a few new ones coming in over the next couple of months. And this is great because they span all the way from, are you a TOS fan and love things of classic design? or mm-hmm. did you- Really enjoy how they kind of got funky when they were doing Enterprise and everywhere in between. Hmm. And as for Guinan, all I can say is I am really happy that Whoopi Goldberg is back on the Star Trek bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And we were very glad to have heard from her recently. So if you're super interested in that, I suggest you start following us on Facebook.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So when you have when you add a new character to the game, you have to go through all the licensing processes and make sure that you're allowed to do that. Is that what what it is? And then it's uh, do you take into consideration where you are in the story or uh, other elements of gameplay? You know, well, you were saying with the Borg Queen, you were you were you were glad to have this big event where you could add the Borg Queen in.
0: Absolutely. We have the, for the most part, we think about what's the great story we would love to tell Mm -hmm. or what is the great experience we would love to have For the players to get to have Mm -hmm. and then we say which are the best characters who are going to fit in here and then we go through the whole process of working with cbs to make sure that we can bring those characters to you in the game so it's never just a oh we have this person and wouldn't it be nice if there was something for them we go from the story we want to tell first and then get the appropriate people
2: good excellent Uh, Our next question is from Amber Lynn, and she says, are there plans to provide more episodes moving forward? And are there multi-week, excuse me, are there, are multi-week events such as the Borg event likely to occur again? Now, you've answered about the Borg event, um, but what about just uh, more general um, episodic content? Does that come out on a regular schedule?
0: That doesn't come out on a regular schedule. That kind of happens when we have a nice big uh, story arc that's not event-driven that we're mm-hmm. ready for. And yeah. uh, we have written another one, in fact.
2: Interesting.
0: And <laughs> uh, we are looking forward to seeing that this summer. Okay,
2: excellent. Uh, and our final community question for this week comes from Seal Silverfall. Uh, now, she expressed concerns that uh, crew management can get a bit time-consuming uh, in timelines. And she's asked, is this... Is the team at Disruptor Beam working on trying to ease the crew management stress for players, or is it an inherent design philosophy of the game, this concept of a lot of crew management?
0: So it's a little bit of both. We Mm -hmm. know that there are many crew. There are over 350, and we're going to still give you more, because some people's favorites are still missing, and we need (laughs) to correct that. Um, But we approach crew management in a way that, yes, you can take and immortalize your crew and get them up to 100, that has been a little difficult so we've introduced things like the replicator to make that easier and now the honor system uh which is there to really help kind of accelerate that immortalization process and Mm -hmm. let you make really smart choices about your crew so what happens is if you have a crew you don't want you can dismiss them and you get honor for it and then that honor will help you move forward crew that you're very interested in leveling up and of course they don't count towards your crew cap because you can dismiss them if you need to right. uh, once they are level 100. But we are looking – we always look at how much friction there is for this and are constantly thinking about, oh, is there another way we can deal with crew management here and let people continue to collect and level because we know that that's uh, mm-hmm. the heart of what many of our fans are enjoying. So we think about it a lot. And I'm not going to tell you exactly how we're addressing it, but we are looking at new ways – Uh, to think about crew collection in uh, the near future. Excellent.
2: Well, is there anything else that, uh, before we just wrap up real quick, that that you wanted to tell me about that I haven't covered today?
0: So you've asked uh, quite a bit about uh, things that are upcoming and I Mm -hmm. want to let you know that we actually make a point to give out this information uh, readily to our fans and so we have a bridge crew email so you can go to disruptorbeam.com and sign up and we will send you out information about upcoming events mm-hmm. and uh, any player information, systems that are coming up so you can get all of the information on that. Uh, other places where we update all of this are on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. And so that is a great place to find other fans. Um, the big things coming up for us are a lot of the things that we are driving towards in the future of Star Trek Timelines yeah. are, we're really excited about uh, people in the game getting to have more interaction, both competitively and cooperatively. So we are doing things to make it much more interesting to uh, join fleets and right. have things to do with them together. Yeah. So. Uh, We're excited. We want Star Trek to become the place where the friends unite and the rivals compete and get to leave their mark on the Star Trek universe. Um,
2: So for somebody who maybe hasn't started in timelines and would like to give it a go, where's, where's the best place for them to start?
0: The best place to start is go ahead and install. Mm -hmm. We're in the App Store on iOS, we're on Google Play, you can get us from Facebook, Mm -hmm. and uh, you can add us to your Steam wishlist. So you can do that. And then once you are there, I highly recommend that uh, go through and play through that first opening tutorial. And I suggest finding, uh, just going out and saying, I'm ready to join a fleet and let the other players guide you along because we have some fantastic mentors in the game. Because your fleets
2: right now are, are primarily they sort of chat social um, bodies in the game. But um, I think I read somewhere that you will eventually have more functionality to the fleets in the future. Is that what you said?
0: There is going to be more functionality coming for fleets in the coming weeks. And we are going to be expanding that even more over the summer and fall.
2: Okay. And um, you mentioned the, a Facebook page. Uh, is there a, a Twitter feed that, that players can follow as well for new updates?
0: Uh, it's uh, hashtag Star Trek Timelines. Okay. And that has lots of fantastic information and hilarious, you know, screen grabs. <laughs> things that happen in the game.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Erin. I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been very enlightening, actually, um, and I hope that we'll be able to, to to get you or some of your colleagues on in the future to talk more about the game. I've really enjoyed it.
0: I've really enjoyed it, too. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Once again, thanks to Erin Prince from Disruptor Beam. Links to Star Trek timelines and where you can get more information about the game will be in our show notes. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in,
0: sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other.
1: And a big thanks to Aaron Prince of Star Trek Timelines, the free to play mobile app available on Android and iPhone, for joining us this episode of Priority One. Now we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Episode 318's community question was What do you think about the trailers for the Orville and Discovery? Wait, wait, wait. Before we start, though, should we just jump into it? Because, okay, because Elijah was not here and we got at least, like, one comment asking about what Elijah's... It
1: It was two. It was two.
2: We got two comments asking what Elijah's opinion was, so...
1: Okay, as far as the actual trailer, I will start by saying this. I did not hate it. I have a really, really, really big problem with the fact that this seems so... Indistinguishable from Kelvin timeline Star Trek. Now here's the thing: CBS, when CBS and Paramount have been at odds about what to do and when, and oh, can we release this? No, we can't because start because JJ vs. Kelvin timeline is about to come out, so we can't we can't release these products. So, oh, but we can't. Well, how about this product? Can we do this? Can we do this figurine? No, we can't do this figurine because it's a, which which one is it? Star Trek Discovery feels very much like kelvin timeline now from what we know in our research and what we know from the from the releases and the information that we've been getting is that star trek discovery is in fact in prime timeline which takes place after enterprise our upn known enterprise and tos
2: before tos
1: before tos i get it you can't do you know the the same type of Aesthetics, as what was done with things like TOS, you can't do aesthetics as, as what was done with Enterprise cardboard sets. That you know, whatever. I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But okay, so here's my here's my biggest gripe. Right, the Klingons. The Klingons look straight out of JJ versus Kelvin timeline.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. That's my, that's one of my biggest issues. If we're in the Prime timeline, the Klingons should not look like the Sona, the Baku's. Relatives from mm-hmm. insurrection, right. right? That's what the Klingons look like. Yeah, Chris Obi looks like he's got prosthetics and that with a really bad facelift. I don't, I, I don't understand the the aesthetic choice for that because it looks far too similar to JJ Verse.
2: I'm having so much trouble because I want to get because you weren't here last week. I want to give you the platform to express your opinions without right, but being I heard last week show.
1: Yeah, but I listened to I, the last week's show.
2: Yeah, I, do,
1: I I now there have been explanation. I get it. There's explanation. Oh, could this be? This was the augment virus. Maybe this is a spin. This is a different type of Klingon. There's different. Uh, this Klingons that that were affected by the augment virus in a different way. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Don't care. This this it, when it, it okay. Now, and and so I I started this rant by by talking about the concern about brand confusion. Right. You want to talk about brand confusion? Yeah. Oh my lordy lord! Yeah, this this is. If I am a new Trekkie, if I were to put myself in the shoes of a newer Trekkie, a younger generation Trekkie, or somebody who has no idea what the what the what this is about, I would think that I'm watching an extension of what I just saw in the cinema the, the last six years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's not. It's not an extension of that. Yeah. So there is where my concern is. Anyway, that's one of my concerns. The second of my concerns is, um, or not my concerns, but my disappointment was um, with Doug Jones's character. Doug Jones's his facial makeup. The facial makeup is great, beautiful. It's it's really nice. It really mm-hmm. is. It's it's yep. it's it's level of beyond great right yep. and some of the other some of the other aliens that we saw we saw two snippets of aliens in that trailer one was a little like gangly looking thing and then something with a a head helmet thing on great that looks fine here's the thing about Doug Jones's character Doug Jones is a phenomenal character actor phenomenal character actor he becomes what is created on his skin gosh i wish they would have used some SFX on him I would have loved to have seen him like I would have loved to have seen a raptor on that bridge
2: yeah
1: right not just prosthetic makeup
2: (sighs) Yeah, but we've discussed I would have loved for
1: them to have taken uh, yeah we did we talked about a little bit we talked about like the destiny series or the yeah destiny series where there's like a raptor medical officer I would have loved for them to have taken it to that level.
3: They can't. A combination. They can't. Why?
1: Why? Because from a production standpoint, you can't do that. Get out of here. No way. They would Seriously, spend you put so much. On- I mean,
2: if they're going to do that, he would have to be, like, the most pivotal character ever to justify committing every week to doing the, that level of special effects from now till you know seven or eight years in the future, just, I don't, I don't see that budget ever getting past a studio exec ever. Prosthetic uh, is still a pain in the ass because you got to put it over his head, whatever. I, uh, CGI and doing that every week,
1: I but just you know what? Though I, I think a, a happy marriage, though I think it could have been a very mm. happy marriage between prosthetic makeup. I mean, you know, like I'm seeing now that that Beauty and the Beast is coming out on DVD. You know, I'm seeing the, the. You know, you're seeing a lot of the behind the scenes of how they brought the beast mm-hmm. to life. Yep, they had him in a suit and yep. just a few dots. Now they had Dan Stevens later on go in front of a th- in front of cameras and recreate the facial expressions that he was doing in the scene. It doesn't. It didn't. Ha- I'm not asking for that level of of detail. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to have seen something other than. I would have loved to have seen creativeness right I, I'm thinking of um, what's that show that was on TBS that he did um, Doug Jones has done that combination of CGI and, and prosthetic which we saw in Falling Skies so it could be done on a series level it can be done and I would have loved to have seen that level of creativity okay so there's that it, All right, go ahead.
2: I have to answer that one because it, the, the problem here is that CBS is not committing to this show the numbers do not work yes. out, and that's the yeah. issue. That they, they, that they're they're operating on a significantly smaller budget than what than would justify having a half CGI character committed to for the whole series. They're just, I just don't see that happening. I mean, we would We. I mean, I keep banging on about the numbers for CBS All Access. They are way cutting Discovery low, and I just, I can't some other show will do it and that's really disappointing because some other show will do it and they will do it really well and it is a missed opportunity for discovery i agree with you on that but it was just never going to happen with discovery because they're just they're they're low the show and they they haven't got the space for that
1: and that's unfortunate yes so so seeing that Doug jones is in fact a prosthetic and not something out of this world I'm a little disappointed. These are these are things in a trailer, nitpicking, but be that as it may, overall, I didn't hate it. I didn't and a hate glowing
2: it. review from Elijah.
1: <laughs> I didn't hate it. You know, I I almost want to. You know, we we keep saying in the beginning of the show that it's a Star Trek multiverse. I almost want to say that I, I when I when I watch this show, I am I don't even want to think about it in the prime timeline. I really don't. I'm gonna be thinking more. This is Kelvin timeline. Or this is some type of other universe because this doesn't match up with what we've seen so far. That doesn't mean it's going to be a bad show. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It does. It's not going to be the start. It's not going to be the clean, sterile Star Trek that we're used to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think the sterile is the the big the big word.
2: I do think it's disappointing that um, the aesthetic that it came across in the trailer came out so much similar to the Kelvin timeline. You made a really good point about. Um, I forgot exactly how you phrased it like basically brand confusion because Star Trek is going to be the quality of the show is going to be dependent on the content it's going to it has to have good production value it needs to have good aesthetics but ultimately it's going to be the storytelling the drama that is what's going to keep people coming back but you know if they're getting confused between Kelvin Timeline and this one and that that could could cause problems early on which is a little unfortunate so I think it's probably uh, roughly time now <laughs> to actually get to some listener feedback
3: from Facebook Jim Sillett wrote Discovery trailer if I knew that it was a reboot I would be super excited for it because it looks really good good cast even though the death sensing individual is a bit weird high production value but what they have done is advertise it as being part of a larger long existing very well established universe Their mistake is abandoning canon and completely restarting the look of pretty much everything a mere 10 years before what we've been watching for 50 years. As such, I'm very disappointed.
1: Yeah, but you can't. You can't. You can't have gumdrop buttons, right? You can't have gumdrop buttons. No, you just can't do it. Heather Ray via Twitter chimed in. Loved the trailer for Star Trek Discovery. I didn't find the Orville all that funny until the end, but we'll probably check it out. Okay, can I talk about the Orville for just a second?
2: Oh, go on.
1: Come on, you guys Just, talked about yeah, that.
2: Yeah, okay, fine, yes, go ahead. And you are never allowed a week off ever again.
1: That's fine. Look, don't expect anything from the Orville. The Orville is going to be a direct parody of Star Trek. That's it. That's all I'm going. I'm not expecting anything more than Seth MacFarlane family guy style humor on the Orville parodying Star Trek. And you know what? I'm okay with it. That's all I have to say about that.
2: From the Star Trek online forums Garrick S31 says Orville is great So much Trek-ish stuff coming out It's wonderful Discovery didn't like the mutant-like Klingons But it's Trek How is that Trek? Discovery is Trek Literally is Literally it's called Star Trek Discovery Oh I get it, I get it, I get it
3: it. From Twitter At page rank But as for the sci-fi comedies Quark 1977 Hyperdrive 2006 And of course Red Dwarf All had their moments. From the Star Trek
1: Online forums, Tyler Maxwell wrote in, The Discovery trailer looks nice, but nothing really stuck out to me as amazing. Sounds like an action-adventure of some sort, though I'm not yet convinced that it's Trek. I expect that there's more to the show that couldn't be revealed in a promo for time or plot secrecy reasons, but I can't help but feel that it's missing that thing that makes the other Trek series seem special. Compare that with the Orville, which has none of those weighty expectations about it. All it has to do is look like sci-fi and be funny, which it seems primed to do very easily. I agree with Tyler. That's Tyler. You know what? Tyler summed it up perfectly.
2: Yes. And um, thank you, Tyler. He actually wrote an awful lot more than that, and I've had to edit it down for time. Um, Tyler, in fact, always writes in such detailed responses to our posts. So thank you, Tyler, for taking the time to do that. From Facebook, Dan Moritz says, The Orville looks like everything I want from Star Trek. Discovery looks meh. (laughs) Which is actually an opinion that I've seen reflected elsewhere. That the Orville looks like the Star Trek they want, and then Discovery is, like, disappointing. So it it, it is,
1: yeah. You know why? Because the Orville looks... A lot like the TNG set, right? Like, when, remember yes. when Frakes was took that picture? I mean, it uh-huh. looks straight out of the TNG yeah. set. Yeah, of course it does. It is this very sterile-looking ship. Yep. Uh, you know, just like Galaxy Quest, just mm-hmm. like. Um,
2: and TNG oh was, God, the the, the was the most popular Galaxy. series of Star Trek. There's 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 right. good reason for that. So.
1: Oh my God! What's the name of the ship in Galaxy Quest? Um, the NSCA Protector.
2: Right.
0: Come
1: Protector. Get out of here. You've never even finished the motion picture. Um, Because it's boring. It's true. It is boring. It's boring. Um, (laughs) I love Star Trek, but but it's boring. That's the funny thing is that Trekkies are used to that sterile kind of environment where it's, you know, it's a console and you bleep, 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 bleep. bleep. And yet Discovery was, like, super high tech, right? It was Mm -hmm. way high tech. You know, holographic panels, very J.J., which is kind of counterintuitive to what the future would probably be like, right? Like, it's like nobody's <laughs> going to push buttons in the future. we going to be holographic. Or we think it, and it's done.
2: Yeah.
3: From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy wrote in and said, As to Orville, you are all aware of the old show Police Squad. I hope it's good, but there are no guarantees even with MacFarlane. Thanks to both of the guests on the show this week. Great show, everyone.
1: From the Star Trek Online forums, Berg1701 wrote, I enjoyed the Orville trailer. Looks like fun. I hope the show is able to strike a reasonable balance between comedy and drama. Wouldn't it be great if they could get Tim Allen as a guest star? Oh my god, yes!
3: Yeah. That would be phenomenal!
1: That is awesome. I hear he's available now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the one thing, he goes on to say, the one thing that bothers me a bit about Discovery is I'm getting a vibe that our main character is the chosen one leading a revolution. That seems a bit out of place for a Starfleet officer. Maybe it will all make sense when we see the series in its entirety. And that says a lot. I think that's a good place to end feedback. Where what we got was a teaser trailer designed to entice prospective (laughs) ad buyers. Like that's tease, if you will. (laughs) Right. This wasn't, you know, these trailers aren't really made for us. They're made for advertisers. Like, okay, well, this looks like a show that I want to, give my money to to -hmm. pay advertisement for so um you know we got we got snippets i think that obviously we have to wait and see like i said earlier i don't hate the trailer but i'm i'm healthily skeptical skeptical of all (laughs)
3: skeptical i said last week i'm cautiously optimistic
1: yes 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 Well, that wraps up episode 319 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to roddenberry.com.
2: But before we go, here's a reminder of what our community questions were for this week. If you could have a holiday to any location from Star Trek, where would it be? And what Canon with 1N ship would you like to see wing its way into Star Trek Online? The more obscure, the better.
1: Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash podcast, or tweet us
3: at priority one pod. Don't forget, when you reply to our community questions, we may use it on the show. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11pm Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today.
2: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreoncom forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
1: And a big thanks to everyone who joins us on Facebook Live on Thursday nights as we record these episodes live. We love everybody who joins us in the chat and contributes to the conversation.
3: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of spacings, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
1: Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brendan Parker and Jake Morgan. With support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media and Tribbles and Ecstasy. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors, along with our skits, which will be coming back. Ooh. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
2: Enemy ship on sensors.
3: Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
0: For complete,
3: this is Winter's intro sync 3.
1: Join the priority one armada where everyone finds love. (laughs) Even if it's with just a starship, Star Trek Discovery the flamethrower. The kids love that one, (laughs) anywho. Where did that come from? Because <gasps> we're talking about merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. Yeah. <laughs> that's, where the, that's where the money from the movie really All comes right. from. You know. Spaceballs. For kid- come oh, on, no. Sorry. Not, I thought you were trying to like a Hudsucker oh. proxy or something. Like, you know. No. For kids. Spaceballs. Get out of here. Oh, my. I'm going to, I'm going to the Undine world and I'm going to bring you back a pile of snot that's going to am bringing you back I stepped in a <laughs> giant <gonna> booger <laughs>
2: nice nice hey you're going to troll me with like sky commas i'm going to troll you with lowercase letters so just yeah
1: I'm just going to put commas instead of and between every letter is a comma 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 it's a comma chameleon comma 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 chameleon <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry it's just was it wasn't even funny it's just like i had to say it comma 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 <laughs> chameleon so the uh, in fact there's lots of commas there they just blend in.
3: if you're interested just head over to com and sign up today this up uh, it's like a dating site only not <laughs> only better
1: only better <laughs> it's like a dating site for star trek online only better <laughs>